Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. I have had this passion for solar all my life and for renewables. And uh, I just know in my heart that solar is the right way to go. All of us who believe in solar, believe in renewable energy, believe in protecting the environment. And now with climate change and the Paris agreements, we know that we are on the right track and that uh, we need to keep going. This is Suncast. In every battle, there's a front line. On that front line are warriors whose courage and action shape the outcome of the battle. The world is currently engaged in a literal power struggle, a battle in global energy as it evolves from fossil fuels to renewable energy. Suncast is a conversation with solar warriors on the front lines, building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. We learn their secrets to personal and professional growth, market development, and industry insights. And now, join solar industry veteran, Latin America fanatic, and your host, Nico Johnson. Well, hey, friend. Really glad to have you join us again today. Welcome to another episode of Suncast and to the final installment of the LATAM Founders Series, brought to you in collaboration with Enphase Energy. I have so enjoyed this series, as it's given us a real chance to dig deep into some of the up-and-coming solar companies in Latin America region, what it takes to create them, what the founders were thinking, and how you might use those lessons to apply to your own business or to your own customers. If you've enjoyed this series as much as I have, would you shoot me a message you looking for more series? What do you think we should do? One on storage? Something on uh, a different type of market? You can certainly find me on LinkedIn. Look for Nico Johnson. Or just drop by mysuncast.com and leave me a voicemail. It'll be obvious what to do once you get to the site. Well, today on Suncast, you'll meet Juan Carlos Navarro, founder and CEO of N Solar in Panama. If you've never had the pleasure of meeting Juan Carlos, he's not only a luminary in Panamanian society, but he's also an entirely passionate fanatic of solar power and climate conservation. We go into his background in nonprofit management, his 10-plus years as a public dignitary in Panama City, and I assure you, you'll find interesting takeaways on how and why he decided to start a solar company. Among the many topics we discovered today are the value of technological innovation as a differentiator in the sales and marketing of a solar firm, the three areas that Juan Carlos has learned the most in founding a solar company, some common challenges facing all Latin America solar startups, nay, probably all solar startups, the logic behind building a 2.4 megawatt utility scale project with micro-inverters, Juan Carlos's extensive reading list on his nightstand, and much, much more. As always, I hope that you enjoyed today's conversation as much as I did. Thanks again for joining me for this episode of Suncast with Juan Carlos Navarro. Well, today we welcome Juan Carlos Navarro to the show. He's the CEO of the Panamanian solar company N Solar. He has a long track record as a businessman and conservationist but is perhaps best known for his role as a politician, serving for a decade as mayor of Panama City, Panama. Welcome to the show, Juan Carlos. Gracias, Nico. Saludos. 
Hello to everybody who's out there watching our podcast. Indeed. It's a pleasure to have you back on the show. I guess we got to know each other when we first recorded, and now we're going to have, uh, for the first showing for the audience, a chance for them to hear more about Juan Carlos and Ene Solar. The last time we recorded, we had some technical difficulties, but <laughs> grateful to find time on your uh, illustrious calendar. So thank you very much. Thank you, Nico. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure as well for me. I learned a lot the last time we chatted. Hopefully we can recap the, some of that learning. You know, one of the things that I love about Juan Carlos, he's, he's not a fly-by-night conservationist, as it were. He uh, actually created or opportunity to participate in a ton of firsts, including activist-type uh, activities in, in Panama, not the least of which was your having a chance to start the National Association of Conservation of Nature in Panama and being an environmental ambassador serving as uh, in, with the World Conservation Union, the Nature Conservancy, president of the Panama Solar Energy Association, and numerous other accolades. Uh, you've even authored a book on the topic of national parks, as I understand. Yeah, and boy, that was tough. Uh, if, you, if you write, and for those writers out there, you know how difficult that is. But I, I will say this about conservation. There is nothing as important as conserving those species that are still with us, the, the life on the planet. And uh, we have this vanishing opportunity, those humans who, like us, are alive right now, to save and protect creation. Yeah. Nothing is as important, Nico. Not even solar. And solar, believe me, is my passion, as you know. Yeah. But uh, biodiversity, man, we need to protect and cherish and love every living being and every living species, our oceans, our rivers, our terrestrial biodiversity, and we don't have that, mu that much time left. So yes, I'm very much into this. And I did write the book on Panama's national parks, loved every minute, went into two printings, gave all of my royalties as an author to ANCON, the National Association for the Conservation of Nature. And, uh, and I know they put it to very good use. Absolutely. And I recall, uh, you know, one of the things that amazes me about your, your history and your track record, uh, before we jump into exactly the genesis of your current business proposition, is, you know, you, you have, you know, you're well healed, of course, you come from great, uh, I would say pedigree, from an education perspective, uh, not to speak of, of family or connections in Panama, but from an education perspective, you really could have gone and done anything. So you, you decided at a young age, you took a risk and came back to Panama. Can you tell me a little bit about why in your 20s you decided to take a risk on your own country having gotten the golden ticket out to go uh, get higher education? Well, I'll tell you a little story, Nico. Just between us and those of you who are watching, uh, I went away to school. I had this amazing opportunity. My, my parents didn't have a chance to, to finish college. And the... Since we were growing up, education was a big deal in my family. You know, we, we uh, since I was born, practically, I knew I had to do the best I could and get the best education I could. And uh, I finally get off to college, got accepted in a good school in the U.S. And uh, I think it was my sophomore year in Dartmouth when I came back for vacation and talked to my dad and I said, Dad, you know, I want to study geography. I have found my calling. I just love this stuff, physical geography, human geography. And, and I have always been very close to nature. And this was like a perfect fit. 
And uh, my dad looked at me and said, like, geography. You're going to this school, this very expensive school. You want to study geography? I'm going like, Dad, I want to do this. And he said, well, you know what? Okay, I'm with you. Just make sure you're the best geographer we have out there, damn it. And, uh, <laughs> and that's the way it went. And the same six years later, when I finally finished master's, everything, I came back and I said, Dad, I'm going to do... I'm going to found a conservation organization. And he said, what? <laughs> Six years of expensive schools for this. Uh, and then he was my biggest supporter, of course. Yeah. But uh, for me, Nico, it could have never been otherwise. I, I always, since I have memories, I knew I was going to do the best I could for my country and for my family. And uh, that's my calling. And I have been doing it passionately and... I am uh, amazingly satisfied with doing this, being here in my country with my peers and my family and my brethren and doing the best for Panama. And I, for me, it's also a responsibility. I think no matter where you come from, if you're able to go back home and do the best for your community, I think it's, it's your responsibility. And there are so many uh, Panamanians who can go abroad and study, mm -hmm. not that many. So if all of us come back and do the best we can for Panama, or even if you are abroad, you do the best you can for your community. I think that for me, I had to come back. So I'm privileged to be able to be in Panama and work on these fabulous projects, conservation, and now renewable and sustainable energy. I'm working for my community as mayor for 10 years, many years ago, back when I was young and foolish. <laughs> but I learned so much and I gave so much to my community yeah. when I was serving as mayor that uh, I'm uh, incredibly grateful for the opportunities I have been given to serve. Yeah. And uh, I think it's a great example for those in particular, we find a lot of young entrepreneurs in Latin America who have a similar passion, right? They've gone uh, abroad, maybe to Spain or London or the United States, as it were. And, or even increasingly Hong Kong or Shanghai, and they've come back to, to Latin America to plant roots, to build uh, what will become one day family businesses, following that same tradition that you and, and your peers have established, which is to not, to not forsake your roots, right? So I think that's honorable. And, and also, you know, what is important, in my opinion, to follow your passion. Mm. And for me, the environment, community, and now renewable energy is definitely my passion. So if it's your passion, it ain't work. Uh -huh. and, and few things can be as beautiful as building an institution, a conservation NGO in my case, or building a business as I am doing now, yeah. or serving as mayor if you're doing it with, you, with your entire heart. Cool. And that, that is what is priceless, being able to do that and to find satisfaction by serving others and by following your passion and your calling is fantastic. So for those people who are watching and especially young people who are deciding what to do in the future, follow your heart, follow your passion and do well by doing good. I love it. And speaking of which, you're do, you've done well, you've done well for your country and now you're doing uh, considerably more good as well. Can we talk a little bit about N Solar, uh, the, the solar company that you founded. I'm really interested to understand how did it all begin? What was the genesis of N Solar? And take us back as far as you want. Oof. Well, uh, I'm, I'm uh, doing this podcast here from, from my house in Casco Viejo, which is the old part of Panama. 
my wife and I, you know, we decided to come back to Casco Viejo and to live here 25 years ago. When we decided to do that, this part of town was very run down. So we were kind of a, a little bit of urban pioneers coming back to our roots, to this traditional part of town, which is now a World Heritage Site also, because uh, the city of Panama in 1519, when it was founded, was the first city on the Pacific, on the mainland of the Americas. And it was sited about uh, seven kilometers to the east of where we are right now. It was uh, later, about a century and a half later, in 1671, burnt to the ground by a famous English buccaneer and pirate, Sir Henry Morgan. And that's when the Spaniards, who were not terribly effective geographers, <laughs> decided that instead of having a city in a swamp, where it was old Panama, they should move it to a place where they could fortify it. And so they built this fortified city, which was occupied in 1673. But I'm telling you all of this story, and Panama, by the way, has a not only world-class biodiversity, but also a fantastic, unique history, being at the crossroads of the world as we are in the Americas. But I tell you all of this story because 25 years ago, when we decided to rebuild this house and restore it, this historic house in this historic district of Panama City, right on the water, on the Pacific. Uh, I had a, a solar contractor from the U.S. because there were none in Panama at the time. And it took me like three months to find somebody who would give me a quote of how much it would cost me to have my house be fully solar. I was that much into solar even back then when I had just graduated from uh, my master's degree in the U.S. And back then, I remember that the solar system for the house cost more than the house. <laughs> so I had to say, well, guess what? You know, I'm sorry, I can't afford it. But I have had this passion for solar all my life and for renewables. And uh, I just know in my heart that solar is the right way to go. And uh, it took some people a little bit longer to find out, but uh, time has given us the reason and time has, has a... Uh, uh, proved us right. All of those of us who believe in solar, believe in renewable energy, believe in protecting the environment. And uh, now with climate change and the Paris agreements, uh, we know that we are on the right track and that uh, we need to keep going with renewable energies. And for me especially, there's something about solar that just warms my heart, literally. And uh, many years later, I had the opportunity to start in solar and uh, boy, what a change it has been. And I have learned so much. It's the first time that I am running a company. Mm -hmm. I was always in the nonprofit sector at first, an NGO and con running an NGO. And I was the CEO of that NGO, but still it's not the same. Mm -hmm. Then I was mayor. I am running this for-profit company and it's very different. Let me tell you. Oof. To all of those entrepreneurs out there, boy, I know what you feel. <laughs> but anyway, about seven years ago, I decided to, I always was talking about solar and I was in, interested, but uh, I figured, you know what? I cannot talk about this if I don't practice it. So I want to practice what I preach. So uh, one day 
I called up Juan Carlos Navarro Barb. This guy incredibly has my same name. <laughs> this is all I need. And we work together. We both called Juan Carlos Navarro. Can you believe this? Anyway, so uh, I had just met him a couple of months earlier. He's an engineer, a very bright kid, works together with another engineer, Alejandro Diaz. And I called Juan Carlos and said, grab your passport. I'm picking you up in an hour. We're going to Solar Power International. And he said, what? What Solar Power International? What is this? I'm going like, get your passport. I'm picking you up in an hour. We're going to LA. We need to go to, to this place. We need to go to Anaheim. And mm -hmm. that year it was in, back in Anaheim where, the, where SPI has been now several years. Because I want you to see and I want to learn and to see for myself what's happening with solar. So indeed, I picked him up in an hour, got him on a plane. We went to SPI. And by golly, you know, when we got there, we were like, wow, you know, solar is it's not only the future, it's the present. And yeah. when we came back, we decided to start our company. It was seven years ago. But along the way, I got back into politics and decided to run for president. So Juan Carlos and Alejandro started, well, their own company. They turned it into a solar company their energy efficiency company. And in the meantime, I ran for president unsuccessfully. And uh, then when that campaign finished, I called them up again and said, okay, guys, I'm ready again. And they're going like, ah, again, is this time for real? <laughs> and I say, yes, it's for real. Let's get this show on the road. And so about two and a half years ago, we started in solar and uh, the rest is history. In two years, we have installed about 40 systems in total, about four gigawatts, mostly rooftop solar. Uh, we work only with N-phase microinverters. We love those little things, especially because we only work in Panama. And those little microinverters, uh, mm -hmm. they are golden. They are NEMA 6. They're perfect for the tropics. It's the only inverter that works underwater. After you connect it, it's waterproof and no air ever goes into them. So for a tropical environment like Panama, like Puerto Rico, like Mexico, like any tropical area like Florida, I wouldn't use anything else. These guys are, these little guys are indestructible. They're fantastic. And when I, when, when Juan Carlos Navarro, number two, and Alejandro came to talk to me about microinverters, at first I was like, nah, I don't think so. I, I need to see to believe. But then I had a, a problem with my own solar energy system at my beach place where I installed the system seven years ago with these two kids. And four years later, my uh, inverter went belly up. Oh. I, I don't want to mention the brand, but it was the best there was on the market back then. Yeah. But since it was a normal inverter, it, this is a 10 kilowatt system. I this is one... As I recall, it was one of the first installed in Panama, correct? Yeah, I have the second net meter in Panama. Wow. And uh, as I was telling you, I decided to practice what I preached. These guys helped me install it back then. We did it, all of us together. Uh, I think I even think I have a video on YouTube, on my YouTube channel. On my YouTube channel. On the, on the Solar channel or on your personal oh, channel? On the Juan Carlos Navarro. Dimas, uh, what's my, my YouTube channel, the Juan Carlos Navarro? It's probably Fuerza Navarrista uh -huh. on YouTube. And uh, we even have a little video when we installed the system. It was fantastic. I helped them. 
and then we had a 240 sharp, uh, 240 watt sharp panels, 44 of them, uh, 10 kilowatt system. It was the biggest system you could install in Panama back then. I have the second net meter in Panama, in my house on the beach, and uh, I haven't paid an electric bill in seven years. Fantastic. Well, my first inverter went belly up because it was air-cooled. It's uh-huh. on the beach, high temperatures, lots of humidity, salt air. So, unfortunately, four years later, kaput. I yeah. called the manufacturer. He basically told me to go and buy a shovel so I could bury the thing in my backyard. And, and then uh, uh, these kids were, by then, uh, Juan Carlos Navarro, numero dos, and Alejandro Diaz, the two engineers who are now my partners, they were uh, experimenting with uh, the microinverters with uh, N-Phase, and they said, Juan Carlos, you know what? Bury that sucker. It's gone. We need to work with microinverters. And, you know, for two or three months, I was like, I'm not sure, guys. What are these little gadgets, you know? It sounds fishy to me. It's new. I'm suspicious. But they convinced me. We went with the Enphase microinverters. The rest is history. These little guys are amazing. I wouldn't install anything else in the tropics. And by the way, our company, in two years, we have not used anything but Enphase microinverters, and we've done a great job. Remarkable. Yeah. That's great. So what would you say... uh... I'm curious to understand what you think uh, over that two years and 40 systems, uh, one of which is uh, we'll, we'll talk about in, in, in more depth, the Bugawa project. <clears throat> but what would you say is the single hardest thing that you learned about launching a PV business uh, in Panama or even in LATAM generally? You Oof. mentioned, not, and I'll, yeah, I hear the woof and like back to the intro where you said, hey, entrepreneurs, I feel your pain. Tell me about that pain. Tell me about your transition to working for a for profit. <laughs> What are your struggles as a CEO, a founder of a solar company? And, and I would love to know if you think there is something that is the essence of like the hardest thing to get over uh, as, the, as the founder, as the CEO. Well, I will tell you this. It's a humbling experience. You know, to run a business, a for-profit business, is a humbling experience. And I have learned so much these last couple of years. Uh, well, uh, to be honest, throughout my life, every uh, position I have held, I it's a position where I have learned a lot. And mm-hmm. I think if you approach it like that, with an open mind, willing to learn, willing to correct your mistakes as you go, uh, you, you can be successful. If you learn and apply what you learn as you go every day, and that's what I have tried to do. Uh, what is the most important thing? I think uh, to have a good business plan, perseverance, and to be flexible. Mm. Make sure that as you learn, you can uh, uh, integrate your learning into the way you operate and change to accommodate your reality. And that's how we have done it in Venezolar. And uh, we are not, I mean, we're a small company. We're only two years old again. Uh, first year we made, we made money, we ran a small profit. Uh, second year we did not, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm hoping that this year we're going to do great. So yeah. uh, to all of those entrepreneurs out there, I think uh, keep pushing. Persevere. Learn from your mistakes and your success. Make sure all of that learning is adapted into your business model right away so you change immediately and adapt 
to the changing conditions of the market. Yeah, yeah, sage advice for sure. Well, I'm not, I'm not sure about sage, Nico, but hey, that's what I at... have learned for better or for worse. <laughs> a lot of people can be better advisors, I'm sure. <laughs> what, I'm curious if, off the, if from from top of your head, you think of some bump knees, some some experience that you uh, that really taught you a lot that you would share with us. Uh, Any specific experience that you can think of? I'll I'll tell you this little story. Uh, one of our first customers uh, was a gas station, and the, which is affiliated to a family business. And the, when we, we set up the system, uh, the CEO of the company sent me a screenshot. He was looking at what, what the system was generating with this feature that Enphase has where you can see what every panel is uh, generating at right. one particular moment. And so the CEO of the company sends me a screenshot and says, Juan Carlos, I'm so excited. I'm looking at what we're generating right now. Great job. I think we had just come online the, the, like the day before or something like that. We're still testing the system. So I look at the image and guess what? Half of the panels were black. They were not generating, not generating. thing. And I'm going like, oh my God, what, what am I going to do with this? So I ran to the office, called Numero Dos, called Alejandro and said, guys, you know, let's go jump off a bridge. If ah. the system isn't working, you know, this is a family company. What am I going to tell of these guys? I told them we had the best technology. And yeah. so they say, Juan Carlos, hold on to your horses, man. Let's check out what's happening. They quickly figured out that the distributor, the electric company, was providing energy in that place, which is in the beach, in the interior, at a higher voltage than normal. Oh, wow. Guess what? 1-800-N-Phase. Yes, who is this? N-Solar from Panama. You're on my screen. What do you need? A Tropigas gas station in yeah. Coronado, the beach. I have you on the screen. 180 microinverters. What do you need? We have the, the serial numbers right here. Uh, can you expand the tolerance? for voltage of no, course right. we can there? yeah they did it over the internet they what? said yes we can we can expand it to a, a range that is still within the secure range of the product and we said could you please do that 15 mm -hmm. seconds done do that now, please. <laughs> <laughs> they they did it right away and wow. lo and behold on my on my smartphone Boom, all of the panels turned blue. My system was generating perfectly. So the yeah. next day, I sent a screenshot to my cousin, the guy who runs the company, the CEO, and I'm going like, hey, we're generating perfectly. Well, yesterday I didn't tell you, but we had a problem or an issue with voltage, but today we're doing great. And lo and behold, you know, there's a sort of flexibility wow. that technology gives you nowadays. That's amazing. That a... Uh, uh, we went from what could have been a terrible problem to a problem that could be solved through technology. And yeah. like this, I have had problems, my God. Every system is different. No system is like the one you installed the day before. Every system requires a specific custom solution. Hmm. And every customer is different. And that is something that we do at Solar that I think very few of our uh, colleagues do. We really work at making sure before, 
during and after we install a system that is mm. a perfect fit for our customer, that he's happy and that we are there with them a shoulder to shoulder, hand in hand, throughout the period where he's getting used to having a solar energy system on his roof and that he's satisfied, he or she is satisfied. Yeah, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm gonna pretend that I don't know a whole lot about the Panama market because I'm gonna pretend that probably some, some of my our listeners don't necessarily know the Panama market from, from other markets uh, for the sake of the conversation at least. Um, you know, I'm, I'd love to hear what you think re- relative to the Panama market and maybe even expand it to Central America, what you see as the core challenges facing uh, companies like yours, installers, uh, as well as the core challenges facing solar as a category in expansion within within the energy infrastructure of Central America? I would say that the first issue or challenge that we have in the region, but also in Panama, is that it's cultural. Because as solar is still seen by in some areas and by some people as something new. And uh, remember, new is always a scary change. Yeah. And so that's the first issue is we need to make people uh, understand and to show people through example that solar is here, it's now, and it's a reality, and it should be on every rooftop in Panama and Central America yesterday. So the first is the cultural issue, uh, to get people to know solar so that we can can make sure we eliminate the taboo of it being a new thing or a risky thing or change. Yes, it's all of the above if, if you want, but it's absolutely safe, proven product. We need it now. It's here. We can install it, and we need to do it. Second issue, uh, we work in hyper-competitive environments. Uh, in Panama, I, I started the Camara Panameña de Energia Solar, the Panamanian Solar Chamber, Solar Industry Association. Right. And uh, I think we have like 40 members at present. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but there are like 80 or 90 solar energy companies in Panama. Yeah. So every time we put out a bid, it's really competitive. I know it's the same throughout the region and also in the U.S. And so this is a challenge. You need to make sure that, that you know what you offer as a product and a service. And we are very clear in, in solar. We offer world-class technology, mm-hmm. uh, technology that we can that we're sure will stand the test of time. Uh, we also offer the best quality in the business. I mean, a, a system that we install in Panama, by the way, we're the only business in Panama that complies with the, not only local laws and regulations, but also the US NEC 2017. Uh-huh. And also our engineers are NABCEP certified. I'm pretty sure that we're the only company in Panama that has these conditions. The fact is that when we install a system, it is world-class. We can install it here in California, in Spain, in Europe, and it will pass every law and regulation and every norm. And so uh, this is also important, that uh, to be able to survive in a hyper-competitive system and environment, you need to make sure what your niche is and what you offer. And this is true throughout the region. The the third thing or factor I think is important is that uh, the grids in our countries need to be upgraded so that we prepare now and start preparing now 
to by building smart grids for the energy system of the future. And mm-hmm. the future will be in three years or five years with right. a lot of distributed energy, a lot of renewables in an energy mix where uh, the the way energy will be produced and consumed in three, five years is totally different from what we had one year ago or two years ago. So these are some of the challenges that we face. Uh, a regulatory environment will be the fourth, I would say. That <laughs> Our regulators are amazing. They know that solar is a reality, but they kind of want to to uh, hold off as long as they can. It is like uh, not accepting the fact that the sun will shine every day. Uh, yes, the sun will shine. We are going to have distributed energy. It's a reality. Let's make sure that we work together, regulators, utilities, solar mm-hmm. companies, customers, to make sure that we give this gift of renewable energy, of clean energy, of solar energy to every Panamanian citizen that wants it at the best possible price, that we do this to combat climate change and that we do it to offer the lowest possible rates to our customers uh, and to give them the gift of being able to generate their own clean energy. What more can we wish for? (laughs) I'm going to drill down on that fourth one just a minute. So obviously, um, for anyone who's paid attention to Panama, that we're aware that there were um, public uh, tenders that included solar power. There was even a solar power exclusive tender um, that generated a lot of interest, and there were you know sort of highs and lows during that process. Um, subsequently, there have been uh, p- periods of great exuberance and then lulls with regard to distributed generation. Um, I'd love to hear from your perspective, uh, especially having been uh, 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 in, on the government side of the coin. Uh, how Panama is working towards overcoming the regulatory hurdles to allowing distributed generation to take off. And um, in particular, uh, as as we answer that question, if you could maybe expound a bit on what tools solar companies in Panama are able to employ, be it PPAs or, or lease contracts and sort of it, whether the whole um, notion of being able to serve a gran consumidor versus another uh, 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 a lower tier of CNI customer, h- how that is unfolding in Panama with regard to regulatory issues and, and legal frameworks? Well, uh, citizens, I include myself, and the private sector, including our company, but many others, are way ahead of the game, way ahead of the, of the public sector in this regard. So all of my customers are from the private sector. All of them. And one of the challenges that we face is helping the current government and the future ones have a clear vision of our energy future. On the one hand, the Panamanian government is a signatory of the Paris Agreements, is officially in favor of fighting climate change, and is officially in favor of clean energy. But in fact... Our political leadership has no clue as to what renewables mean. And they send intermittent signals. One day they say, we want renewables. The next day they send a negative signal. And this is a challenge that we have and many other countries in the region have also. Matter of fact, we were just speaking off camera before we started that uh, right now, these couple of days, we had the, the Clean Energy Conference from Central America and the Caribbean, RECAM, in Panama, I just came from there, and I was speaking about some of these issues at the conference. And uh, it's vital that we 
produce as a country, and the countries in the region do the same, a clear vision for the future and our energy future that is shared by the private and the public sectors. This would be very helpful. It would mm-hmm. allow us to develop our clean energy sector with a, in, a, in a smoother, more responsible way. So this is a challenge. I hope we go that way. And Panama's Camara Panameña de Energía Solar, the Solar Energy Chamber, is trying to do that with the authorities, with governments, with the utilities also. Yeah. And our idea and my vision is that we all march together with f- all our cards on the table, uh, full disclosure, uh, cooperation towards a shared energy future. And that yeah. future has to be clean energy, Nico, for the entire world, not only for Panama. And yeah, how we do it, let's do it in the least traumatic possible way, in the most positive way, win-win, uh, all together, uh, making sure that we negotiate and, and go forward with a, a, a pragmatic program into the future. Now, having said that, the uh, uh, solar energy sector in Panama, there was one public bid for 60 megawatts of solar. It was a, I think that the winning price, this was about three years ago, was about between uh, eight and a half cents and 10 cents per kilowatt hour delivered. Nice. Uh, unfortunately, of that 60 mega, only about 20 mega are currently being built to satisfy that contract. The other 40 we lost, it wasn't handled adequately by the authorities. And uh, they lost even the compliance bonds because of the time they permitted to elapse. Terribly, poorly handled. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we're only going to get 20. But having said that, there's a lot of of, uh, uh, space and opportunity in uh, rooftop solar, residential and commercial and also private PPAs for development. And, and this is where the Camara Panameña de Energía Solar, our trade association, uh, whose mission is to promote the use of clean, renewable solar energy throughout Panama, is uh, also helping to create professional standards that will guarantee that as solar energy develops in Panama, we develop it in, uh, with the highest possible professional standards. Yeah. That's excellent. Is there any specific entity that's doing training to achieve those standards, like so, sort of like NAPSEP, like Solar Energy International or others down there? Uh, well, our own technicians have trained with Solar Energy International, and uh, we have started a dialogue with them, and I would love to have them come down and, and uh, offer their training seminars in Spanish or Spanish and English locally. Yeah. Also, uh, private companies have offered uh, training seminars locally, and the Panamanian Camara Panameña de Energía Solar, the chamber, or the the Solar Energy Chamber or Trade Association, will also be offering training seminars starting this year. We just created it last year, so uh, we want to get right on the ball this year, offer training seminars, and also promote a uniform industry standard. So we make sure that solar gets off on the right foot in Panama. I'd love to know, because the last time I checked was maybe over a year or so ago, and I've been amazed since I left the solar panel industry how low uh, solar pricing is. I mean, you know, in many cases, upper mid to upper 30s cents per watt. What's the all-in cost that you're seeing for 
distributed generation systems sort of globally in, in Panama right now? What's the what's it average around for a DG system? Well, uh, just to underline that point that I made earlier also about the, the cutthroat competition in our industry, both locally at the local level with other installers or other uh, providers and developers, there's a lot of competition. And in yeah. general, this is, this is uh, healthy because it, uh, it guarantees the customer the best possible price. As long as it guarantees also a minimum quality that can guarantee that these systems operate safely and uh, appropriately and uh, positively into the future. So as long as we have quality, uh, the fact that we have competition and that we have a good pricing is always positive. Now, yeah. I have also seen in these two and a half years amazing competitive pressure on uh, the panel industry in particular. Yeah. And uh, I think when we started, we were buying solar panels at something like 54 cents per kilowatt. And uh, the, the last uh, containers I ordered, which I'm going to be receiving in a couple of weeks, uh, we're getting CIF, Balboa, the port here on the Pacific, right next to Panama City, right on the canal, 36 cents per kilowatt. So uh, the, the drop in the price has been amazing, just two and a half years. I mean, if you go back a little bit more, you see the the uh, the drop in the price of solar panels between 1976 and today is 99% price drop. So back when I asked for a price quote for my house versus today, prices have dropped 99%. For sure. Even the system that I installed in my house on the beach, uh, the one we talked about a little bit earlier, where mm -hmm. I got into the in, into the into the business, or so to speak. Uh, that 10 kilowatt system is now to install it. It cost half what I paid seven years ago. Mm -hmm. So we're yeah. seeing this throughout the industry. It's positive and it's been driven by the exponential growth of the solar industry worldwide. The incredible push that it got from Europe five years ago uh, and what's happening in China and the US uh, right now in 2016. 14, 15 gigabytes of new capacity installed in the U.S., uh, almost uh, a 50% growth in installed capacity, uh, 34 gigabytes of new capacity installed in China in 2016. This is a, a, in India, what's happening with that sleeping giant that is waking up to solar in incredible ways. All of this is driving a world solar market that is a is a crucial part of the strategy to, to defeat climate change. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is incredibly exciting. I think that those of us who are uh, alive today, and particularly those of us who are in the solar industry are living amazing times. This is a, a really a historic moment that is historic and positive. So this is what's happening. And yeah. I'm very, very, uh, enthused by the fact that this is happening. So every cloud has a silver lining. Yes, we are challenged by climate change. Yes, we have to face up to it. And at the same time, look at what humanity is doing to fight climate change. And look at what's happening in the solar industry with the falling prices, the improvement in technology like macroinverters yeah. uh, and other 
technological breakthroughs that happen every day that are allowing us as a species to uh, undo the harm that we have caused with climate change. Yeah. So I appreciate that. Um, I appreciate that uh, transparency and that insight into what uh, what your panel prices are. And I absolutely love the enthusiasm and passion that you always uh, have for the mission of the business. <clears throat> One of the things that that enthusiasm and mission uh, uh, drove home was your ability to be a participant in one of the largest projects, certainly for Enphase, but also one of the largest projects to date uh, in in Panama, right? It's it's probably one of the five, top five projects there uh, in the Bugawa project. Uh, it, would you say that that's probably the, the project that's most emblematic of what you guys are trying to achieve and what you're most proud of? Uh, without a doubt, it's the biggest project we have done and the biggest challenge we have faced because we have such a small company and a new company, young company, that uh, to do a 2.4 megawatt a, a generating plant and to do it with microinverters. It had never been done so large. It was quite a challenge and I, we're damn proud of it. Yeah. And uh, boy, that was a tough project. Uh, when you do a, a project like that, uh, you learn so much. Yeah. And, and for those uh, who, aren't, who aren't clear with, uh, familiar with the geography of Panama, maybe you want to talk about where it's located as well. And why well, it's a... In the Chiriqui province, which is west of Panama City, uh, Panama, the Panama Isthmus is like an inverted S. Mm -hmm. We actually, the country lies east to west. Yeah. Because when people think about the Americas, we think, oh, yes, it's a continent that runs north to south. In general terms, yes, but it runs north to south. But in Central America, particularly in Panama, it runs east to west. And then again, South America, all the way south. So... Panama is like an inverted S, and on our westernmost province, right next to the border with Costa Rica, that province on the Pacific side called Chiriqui has a lot of sunshine, about 10 or 15% more sun than Panama City. And there we built this 2.4 megawatt plant, which uh, has about uh, 8,008 solar panels, 300 watt panels, Jingli, which is uh, back then we got a, uh, an excellent guarantee, which was that our customer wanted. Uh, we did the, um, I'm talking about 72 cell uh, Jingli panels. Uh, we divided it in three terraces and we uh, worked those panels with the Enphase C250 and with Schletter racking, yeah. including uh, approximately 900 posts, 903 to be exact, that had to be uh, put into the ground. By the yeah. way, if I can uh, have a little commercial uh, break here, uh, go to the to my website, nsolar.net, n-s-o-l-a-r.net, and you have a little video of, and by the way, we have it in English with subtitles too. So uh, you have a, a two and a half minute, three minute documentary, mini documentary of how the project was built. And boy, we ran into every possible problem under the sun. Uh, we found a way to solve every particular problem as we went along. And we managed to complete the project successfully. Uh, had a tremendous amount of help from Enphase, from the people at Schletter, a tremendous amount of help and understanding from my customer. And ended up with a fantastic power plant that is the biggest project in the world with Enphase microinverters and broke a taboo, a glass ceiling, so to speak, that was broken. 
that you couldn't do a big power plant big, 2.4 megawatts. It's not that big, but that you couldn't do a generating plant, even a small one, with microinverters. And I'll share a little secret. Uh-huh. When our customer was a, a put out a bid to build the plant, our offer ended up being uh, ended up tied for the best price. Uh-huh. It was competitive price-wise. Using Enphase was the best price. Yeah, it was tied with another company for the best price. But we were head and shoulders above everybody else in terms of quality. Because yeah. we had, you know, the Schletter racking, which is world-class. Because we had, uh, we were the only ones who promised to build and design the plant, uh, uh, guaranteeing that it complied with NEC, uh, the the electric the, uh, uh, NEC 2014 at that time. Because we the bid came out at 2015. Uh, and that we would have uh, end-phase microinverters, that when you have microinverters, you always have added value for the customer because right. you always lower the management and operating cost of the plant. Yeah, and in what ways? Can you give me oh, Imagine if you have 8,000 panels yeah. with uh, the end-phase software, you can uh, uh, watch exactly where you have a problem or if one panel is not generating. The software tells you right away, and you can go to that panel and change it. So it saves time. Oh, it saves an amazing amount of time. Plus, if you had the traditional way of doing things with a string inverter or a central inverter, if the inverter goes kaput, you lose the generation of that entire string or that entire terrace of the plant, a third of the plant, say, until you can replace the the central inverter or the string inverter. With Enfes, you only lose the generation of one panel. Yeah. Locate it immediately, and we go and change it in 24 hours, which happened. We had a problem with inverters, a couple of inverters because of a problem with the transformer, and the, which it turned out, I'm going to reserve the customer, the, the brand ah, yeah. which provided the, the uh, which provided the uh, transformer, but we had a problem with a transformer that was fixed by the manufacturer, but in the meantime, that caused a problem with inverters and with uh, uh, panels. We fixed it, and with the, the Enphase software, we have lowered the cost of operating and maintaining the plant significantly. It is a magnificent tool. I couldn't do a plant without uh, this tool anymore. It is like in, like, uh, in the middle of this century, uh, buying a steam-powered car <laughs> uh, using the old technology. Instead yeah. of having a Prius, I'm partial to Prius, by the way. I have Panama's first Prius. Love those little suckers. I've had that thing for seven years. Runs like a beauty. Still, it has provided uh, efficient transportation for my family. I just love those guys. They're fantastic. You have a penchant for being first, Juan Carlos. Well, uh, uh, I'll tell you what a friend of mine said the other day. Juan Carlos, you remind me of that uh, old Spanish proverb. El tuerto es rey en el reino de los ciegos. If uh, in the kingdom of blind people, he who has only one eye is king. <laughs> he was telling me, you're not so hot, sir. It's just that uh, that you have had the the... the responsibility or the opportunity to lead in environment and in clean energy and yeah. 
and to be first in some of these areas, but uh, I thoroughly enjoy uh, testing technology and uh, trying to be the first for the best, for yeah. good, for doing good for the society. And uh, we're doing it with solar energy, by the way. Another issue in the Bugaba plant, coming back to our ship, as they say in France, retourne uh, son mouton. Also, always with Enphase, you generate more with the same number of panels because mm -hmm. you don't have them in series. Every panel has its own microinverter. Every yeah. panel turns into a, an independent generator. Mm -hmm. And if you have cloud or dust or different temperatures between cells or degradation uh, in a string of panels with one string inverter or, or in one terrace with 2,000 panels, uh, if they are in series with the old yeah. uh, technology, the a panel that uh, that uh, produces the least energy is the ceiling for the rest of the panels on that string right. or that terrace. And you lose a bunch of generation always. You lose generation always with an outdated system. Whereas uh -huh. with the microinverters, you always produce more. You always yeah. optimize the production of the plant. And so even though it may be a bit more expensive up front, you always provide better value for your customer. Yeah. And in our case, because of our uh, obsession with quality, when we install a system or build a plant, it, it's built to last. Yeah. And Enphase provides 20-year warranties for their product. Plus, the microinverters are uh, NEMA 6. In other words, they work underwater once you plug them in. The hot, humid, salty air of Panama never reaches the innards of the microinverter. And so this is a guarantee that you're going to be producing energy into the future with the best possible conditions. And this was crucial for us. And uh, time, time uh, in Spanish we say, el tiempo me dio la razón. I don't know if there's a proverb in English that says something like that. Time, time proves right. Proves right, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. The plant is producing beautifully, by the way. That's wonderful. Uh, it's a, yeah, it's, it's, a, as I mentioned before, it's emblematic, uh, of, uh, building to the highest quality and the highest standards. Um, so I'm, I'm glad to hear the, the good report and that the plant is, uh, is up and operating. That's wonderful. We're going to move to the, the last sort of section of the show, which we call learning leadership and legacy. And, uh, I know you're familiar with this question, so I'll just ask it straight out. Juan Carlos, what's on your nightstand? I know that you're quite the reader, so. I <laughs> uh, well, I just finished reading this fantastic book called uh, Redentores by the Redemiers, those who will redeem us, uh -huh, yeah. by a Mexican intellectual called Enrique Kraus, who is uh -huh. a disciple of the Mexican Nobel Prize winner Octavio Paz. Yeah. I also just finished a biography of uh, Uruguay's former president, Pepe Mujica, uh -huh. who is a fantastic guy also. You know who wrote it? Oh, it's an Argentinian journalist, but I don't remember the name. Okay, I'll and find uh, it. I also always keep on my nightstand the Baltasar Gracian, Oracle yeah. of Wisdom, which is my favorite book. This a uh, 16th century Spanish philosopher, Gracian, which I just yeah. love. And the uh, I'm also reading, I'm, and, and now that I'm getting older, I'm reading several books at once. And yes. uh, 
So I'm reading all of that together with a bunch of other stuff. And I also try to read a couple of bestsellers in English and Spanish. I just finished the uh, uh, biography of Fidel Castro in French. I try to read in French once in a while. It's very difficult for me. I get tired because uh, for me, Spanish is, of course, the best and easiest language. English, the second and third. Uh, distant third, a little bit of French. So I tried to read in French once in a while so as not to lose the language. Yeah. That one was called La Vie Cachée de Fidel Castro. La Vie Cachée. Uh, yes, the, the secret life, so to speak. Uh -huh. but, uh, I was just in Cuba for New Year, so it was an incredible experience for me to take my children and my wife and their girlfriends to be able to uh, to see Cuba, what Cuba is to me. And uh, anyway, I'm reading all of this at once for whatever it's worth. <laughs> and I, re I recall that, uh, as we'll get into a little bit uh, in the next question, but you also consume a lot of media as well, some blogs and articles. Where do you think, where do you get a lot of your information for solar? How do you stay current on solar? Besides, besides Suncast, of course. <laughs> of course. Uh, I, I love this site. It's called the uh, uh, Green Tech Media. Those guys uh, really keep me abreast of things. But uh, I also follow a, a bunch of solar publications locally and also international. Uh -huh. uh, I think that SPI is an amazing resource. Uh, uh -huh. N-Solar is a member of SIPA and also a member of SEIA. Yeah. And those guys wow. are also fantastic. They keep us abreast yeah. of everything. And of course, N-Solar is also a member of the Panamanian Chamber of uh, Solar uh, Companies which we found. Right. Uh, but anyway, with all of those guys, I keep abreast of things. What's a, what's a good local Panamanian log or digest that I probably have missed that I should check out? For energy, yeah. very few, very few. Mm. I think that it's a, there's a couple of sites on renewables, but uh, we don't have Suncast in Panama. I think that you must get a, a, a clone to, or you do it yourself to come down here yeah. once in a while and write about our industry in Panama. Or maybe I should do it, yeah, with all of my spare time. Yeah, sure. with all your, all your spare time, exactly. <laughs> no, but seriously, but, there's a ton of space for yeah. somebody to do a, a suncast in Panama. Yeah, yeah. We just started doing some episodes. In fact, uh, Juan Carlos Dos is going to be on one of the episodes uh, probably by the time that your episode comes out. We'll have already had him on in Spanish. So we've done uh, we've done with Maximo Solar uh, in Puerto Rico with Eco Partners, which is coming out soon in in uh, Puerto Rico Puerto Rico as well. A couple of others in, in Mexico, but I'm testing the waters with whether or not Spanish episodes work. And frankly, I haven't done a, a good job of keeping the blog uh, content live. You know, I think that the guys at Green Tech Media are spot on. Manan Parikh and and the and the the team at Green Tech Media Research uh, just nail it when it comes to getting good data on the market. And also Bloomberg Energy uh, Research, very yeah. very good. Also, they yeah. they also yes also uh, keep us abreast of things. By the way, make sure yeah. that when you interview uh, Juan Carlos Navarro numero dos, you you remind him that he's numero dos. That numero yeah. uno is another guy. Me. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's so funny that we are both working in the same company, have the same name. So I give him a hard time all the time. We kid around with this all the time. And of course, he tells everyone he's number one. <laughs> ah, is that right? But the fact is we have such a fantastic team with our two young engineers, Juan Carlos Navarro, Barb, and Alejandro. 
And also we have a senior engineer, Mr. Uh, Uriola, who brings uh, experience and a long-term view of things and uh, our shareholders also, uh, mostly young uh, entrepreneurs who uh, help us uh, put together this fantastic team, Dimas Botello, uh, Luis, our engineer, our administrative people. We have a small team, our installers are fantastic guys. We spend yeah. a lot of time on training and on safety and uh, we just have a fantastic team. I'm very proud of them. They're much better than I am, all of those guys. <laughs> And they're the secret to our success. I basically mm. go out and sell and uh, share my passion for solar with people and uh, talk about my example and my system. Uh, and this is important, Nico, and the word of wisdom. It, when you go out there and you say, hey, I propose that you install a solar system. I have one and it works. Uh -huh. It's all the difference in the world. You lead by example. That's excellent. And by the way, you the... lead from the front, not from the back, for heaven's sakes. Yeah. <laughs> per... Well said, uh, just like uh, kings of ancient days. Well, Juan Carlos, what, what one thing do you do consistently that yields the greatest impact or results in your personal or professional life? Uh, in terms of N-Solar, I would say uh, the, the personal contact with my customers. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you can imagine, I have, mm. a, I have a considerable Rolodex, so to yeah. speak. You must translate that for our young viewers, but it's <laughs> an extensive list of contacts. Yeah. And, uh, I, I have access to, to business leaders and to entrepreneurs locally in Panama, and the personal contact with those customers is what has opened doors for us to install our systems and to be successful. Uh, and at the personal level, I would say uh, I, uh, this past couple of years have not been easy for me after the mm -hmm. presidential campaign, but uh, having the support of my family has been absolutely crucial in this new stage that I have undertaken as, a, as an entrepreneur, a solar entrepreneur, uh, having the support of my kids and my wife, Cookie, and my family, my parents, my brothers, and, and my, they're all my, my partners also yeah. in my business. So having <laughs> their support, their moral support and their love has been absolutely crucial. You know, losing an election is a traumatic experience. So yeah. if I could get up after that, start a new business, do well, do well by, do, do well by doing good, I think that everybody can do it. So I encourage everyone to follow their dreams, but with your feet on the ground. I love it. I love it. Well, I'm sure you're excited about the future of Enesolar, and there's probably more than enough work to do at home. I'd love to know what's next on the horizon for you and for Enesolar. What are you working on now that you're excited about? What, uh, any plans to expand beyond Panama? Uh, for the time being, Panama. Although uh, we have a, a very important uh, proposals to work on other countries in the region and in the Caribbean. But well, for the time being, we're focusing on Panama. I'm very excited about 2017. Uh, we have a ton of prospects, and uh, this is a year that I that I want to make sure that Enesolar makes a profit. So that is my mm. goal for this year, while maintaining and increasing our level of uh, technological leadership and quality. Yeah. That's a trademark. Uh, and, and service. Nobody 
pays more attention and gives better care and pays more attention and listens to our customers like we do. That's our niche. Yeah. And so those are our plans for this year. And I'm very excited about Panama. I'm uh, my country. Well, I'm just. I think Panama is the best. I I'm so positive about the future of Panama with our expanded canal. Our economy is growing still, a little bit less than before, but it's growing. Yeah. And uh, we have everything at hand to turn Panama into one of the best countries in the world. And from where I am right now, from Venezolar. Uh, uh, and the private sector, I'm contributing to uh, uh, reaching that goal, I hope, and learning also uh, how to run a company and do it successfully, and how to be an entrepreneur and a businessman. Mm -hmm. So for me, this is learning, growth, and also contributing to my country. And what's next? Who knows? I love politics, <laughs> but I love uh, uh, renewable energy. And uh, who knows what comes next? For the time being, making sure that 2017 is golden, for my Perfect. company and our team. And that, uh, and by the way, you know what my company mission is? To, no. It is to uh, uh, succeed at promoting solar energy at every level in Panama and no. make a profit while doing it. And so, make a profit while doing it. So basically, do well by doing good. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Well said, well said. Juan Carlos, I know we've mentioned a couple of times your website is uh, insolar.net. Are there is there any other way that you would encourage folks to find out more about InSolar or you personally? I would just encourage them to write to me at .net. And they, okay. if they have any comments or questions, and I would love to have feedback on this short interview and also on our – we have beautiful videos there about our projects. Yeah. So you go in there, you can see what we do. And the, the one that we have in both English and Spanish is the one on the Bugaba project that was a, a project where we were – uh, we learned so much, so I encourage everybody to go into nsolar.net, send me your questions, your yeah. comments, uh, criticisms. We'd love to have them, your thoughts. You guys are actually also pretty active on Twitter as well as actually how, one of the ways that I first found you. So True. If you want to follow me on Twitter, uh, arroba Juan Canavarro. How do, you call, how do you say arroba in English, Nico? It's at. At Juan at, Canavarro. Yeah, at. So, yeah, perfecto. Yeah. Well, we always end the show with uh, what we call the bold prediction. So, Juan Carlos, what one thing do you see happening in the market that perhaps nobody else is tracking? What's in your crystal ball for 2017? I'm, I'm just so amazed with the, this runaway train called solar. The world mm -hmm. is in the middle of a solar revolution. And uh, I think the extent to which this will happen and continue to happen, to change the world through solar, is beyond even our wildest imagination. And that's what we're going to see in 2017. And coming soon, storage. Mm. And coming soon, smart grids. And every country in the world should be putting their money on smart grids. And the customers, we should be investing not only in solar, but keeping an eye out for uh, storage. The minute that we have cost-effective, clean, uh, re reliable storage, we will change the world again in combination with solar. Mm. It's so true. Uh, it's the it's the cornucopia. It's the I mean, it's the panacea, if you will, of our industry right now. Coupling storage to renewables uh, will, in my view, eliminate 
fans of yours? Well, not so fast, Nico. Don't get ahead of yourself <laughs> here. No, I would love nothing more, but uh, uh, I think it will. This period will take some time, and uh, yeah. uh, we still have a ways to go with the batteries. But when you see what has happened with panels, mm. and you you see it's inevitable. The, what Tesla is doing with their battery factory. Yeah. Uh, in Nevada that when, when, when will it be online? Uh, but yeah. coming soon and when you see what people are doing and companies are doing and entrepreneurs are doing with, uh, I was just in Hawaii last year for uh, IUCN, the World Conservation Union's World Conservation Con- Congress and when yeah. you look at what's happened in solar in Hawaii and how they have, they're working on their grid and how they have managed to integrate a, a distributed uh, generation into their grid. Uh, when you look at what's happening in Puerto Rico, what's happening in countries yeah. like Panama, even it's a remarkable. What's happening in the U.S. Yeah, in last year, the growth of solar in the U.S. is nothing but remarkable. What's happening with wind? Yeah. I had the opportunity last year to go to the American Wind Power Conference. When you look at what's happening with wind in the U.S. in the wind corridor, all of those states, it's a we are undergoing an energy revolution. Uh, led by solar, which beginning in Q4 of 2016 is the cheapest way to add new generating capacity in the world. And second, very close is wind. When you look at all of this together, we are living in absolutely amazing times. And I I have faith that the future will bring amazing things in terms of energy. And when we have uh, these changes take place in energy, it will change the way everything else works. And to have clean, renewable energy at an affordable price uh, in hand, that will go hand in hand with the technological revolution that will take place and is already taking place on Earth. So these two components, I think, will also allow us to save biological diversity, which is the first thing I mentioned, and something that every smart person and everybody who has a heart has to make sure we're doing and we're supporting throughout the world, you know, the ANCONs of the world, the Asociación Nacional para la Conservación Naturaleza in Panama, ANCON, or the World Wildlife Funds and the Nature Conservancy and the Conservation Internationals of the world. We we need to make sure that we're supporting these fantastic organizations. Couldn't have said it better. Juan Carlos, I am honored. Uh, It's my true pleasure to have you on Suncast. Thank you so much for being here today. I've had fun, as you noticed, Nico. Have a great day. And anybody who's watching this, uh, make sure you get in touch with us if you so desire and share your thoughts with us. Thank you, Nico, for the opportunity. This episode is brought to you in collaboration with Enphase Energy as we explore what it takes to launch and grow successful solar companies in Latin America. To learn more or hear other episodes in the series, visit www.mysuncast.com forward slash Enphase. That's a wrap on today's conversation, Solar Warriors, and you're now well-armed for battle. Hopefully, you'll take away some great tools for your own success. I'd love it if you'd share what you learned or share the episode over on LinkedIn. Let me know what other tools you need. If you want to sharpen the axe a little bit more, I've shared some of the resources we discussed in today's conversation over at mysuncast.com. Just click on the latest episode link in the title bar. Perhaps the best tool in your arsenal might be subscribing to the mailing list while you're there so that you'll get an email from yours truly when new content is available. Have a suggestion for someone you think should join the conversation? Email me, nico at mysuncast.com or shoot me a message on LinkedIn. 
Hey, that's it. Thanks for being here. Until next time, stay informed, my friend, and stay tuned.